Hello, my name is Jeremy Howard. I'm the pastor of Orchard Hills Bible Church located in Payson, Utah. Welcome to the first edition of the Come, Follow Me Bible Challenge. If you are a Latter-day Saint, you are going through the Old Testament this year in your church. And during that Sunday school hour, you will be looking at many different chapters across Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and so on. What I would like to do is to provide you a Christian perspective from a Bible church on the passages you're going to be studying, maybe challenge you just slightly, a little bit, and provide you with some questions that you can take into your Sunday school class and ask your teacher and say, hey, I was watching this video or I was studying this for myself, whatever you want to say, and I'm curious about this. What do you think? Because questions are good, aren't they? And I want to mention to you that no question is off the table for me. So if you've got any question for me after viewing this or uh, just any question for me, generally speaking, you can shoot me a line. You can contact us through the church Facebook page or you could find me personally here on Sundays and Wednesdays and at other times, too. You can contact me through my website, jeremyhoward.net. Would love to talk to you. But uh, your first lesson that you're going to be looking at this coming week, or I guess you're supposed to be looking at it this week, and you will be discussing it this Sunday, January 10th, it covers Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 1 and 2. Now, Genesis is absolutely critical. I think the Come, Follow Me schedule reflects this. Uh, you're going to be in Genesis for the first almost three months, I think. So uh, I agree. Let's spend a lot of time in Genesis because without Genesis, you don't really have much to build the rest of the Bible on, especially the first 11, 12 chapters of Genesis. You, you give up those chapters and you've given up the entire storyline of the Bible. So it's very important that you focus on studying Genesis and that you uh, know it as well as you can. So let's get started. And I'm going to do something real fancy. Now I'm a little, little box and you see my uh, program called Accordance. This is a, a software for studying the Bible, especially for those who are in full-time ministry like me, who are pastors and want to uh, dig really deep. So um, let's start with Genesis 1.1. Why wouldn't we start there? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, you can see it right up here at the, the top left, where the, those boxes are. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now you have the Hebrew here that gets highlighted while the English gets highlighted. You'll notice that uh, the words like the and and, those aren't in the original Hebrew. They get added later. You also notice way over here on the right-hand side, it's blank now. Moving my cursor over here just made it blank. But on the right-hand side, you'll see definitions and some other stuff. Uh, like create. There's the Hebrew word in the English way to pronounce that. And you see that it's a masculine singular verb in the third person, and it means to create. So that's pretty cool. It's a verb. Well, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's something that you need to notice right from the get-go. In the beginning, God. There's nothing else that's mentioned there are no pre-existing materials mentioned. There are no other people, there are no other things. All that existed in eternity past, or in the beginning, you could say, 
as Moses does here. All that existed was God, God and God alone. And in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. This very simple opening verse to the entire Bible is one of the places where we get the doctrine of creation ex nihilio, creation out of nothing, creation out of nothing. Now, you can see evidence of this in other places. Hebrews 11 is a good place to go. But I'm going to use this pane right here, and I want to show you Revelation 4, verse 11. Revelation 4, 11 this is a statement of praise to God. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created, there's the Greek word now for create. Genesis is Hebrew and Revelation is written in Greek. For you created all things. In all things, it's one word meaning all. That's the word panta or pas meaning all, you created all, there's nothing outside of his creation except for himself. You created all things, and because of your will, thelema is the Greek word there, his desire, his desire, and his desire alone. They existed, we'll come back to that in a minute, and were created. So that word created comes up twice here in this verse. You see it's the word kitso there, uh, it's the word kitso there, created comes up twice. And in the last part of this verse, we see that created is something that he did in addition to causing the things to exist. So he created all things, but he did so in accordance with those things existing. And those things existed because of his will. Now, the word here for exist is amy. If I put my cursor over the one, you can see again in this pane that's over on the right-hand side. Another way of saying this is just the word were. Because of your will, they were and were created. That's because this word me is just the basic be verb in Greek. Uh, we have the be verb in English. We say I am or they are or we were, I was. Those are all variations of the word that just means to be or to exist. So what is this verse saying? Well, this is saying that the will of God caused all things to exist. And then he created things. He fashioned them, formed them, formed them together, built them, founded them. You see the different ways that it can be translated in English there in the bold. He caused these things to exist by his will and he created them. Now, this is a uh, challenging statement if you believe that material has existed for eternity, that material was pre-existing, and then God put them all together, put all the materials together to fashion the universe, the earth, however you want to describe it. Isn't this interesting that it says that because of God's will, these things exist at all? Therefore, God's will must logically, necessarily precede the mere existence of material. I hope you see that in the text. And so this would be a good question to ask um, when you go to Sunday school. You go in, be a good student, study this for yourself. Don't just take my word for it, but go in there and raise your hand and say, hey, can we cross-reference this over to Revelation, the first book of the Bible with the last book of the Bible? That's kind of cool. This talks about creation and revelation, and 
Look how it distinguishes existence from being created. And what are the implications of that for our doctrine of creation? Just something to think about that you might want to bring up in your class. Well, I don't want to make these videos long. So let's go now to um, Genesis 126. Uh, Genesis 126 and 27. These are the only other verses I'll talk about in this video for Genesis chapters 1 and 2. I think this is another great place for you to dwell as you prepare for your Sunday school class this Sunday and some thoughts, questions you can bring in to the class. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth. I'm going kind of fast, so it's not picking up every box, and I'm, it's probably annoying that I'm going so fast because it's not stopping long enough for you to actually read the translation and the definition and stuff, but bear with me. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Well, at this point, I want to bring up another box, another window. Um, this is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints website, the homepage for Come, Follow Me, this Sunday School series for 2022, Old Testament, 2022. And this has all the material in it. Uh, it starts off, in, introductory materials, bang, number one, conversion is our goal. We share a similar goal, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and I. But if we go down past the introductory materials down to this lesson, uh, obviously this was technically lesson one, but that wasn't about the Bible, so I can't speak to that. I'll speak to this, Genesis 1 and 2. Let's pull up this page for this week. And uh, there's all kinds of stuff you can read on here. I'm sure you know way more about it than I do, um, but it's helpful for me to come on here and, and read the material from your church. But uh, you see on here that they highlight certain things. Jesus Christ created the, the earth under the direction of Heavenly Father. Now, I wouldn't phrase that exactly the same, but generally speaking, there's some agreeableness there. Uh, marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God. Amen. Totally agree. God blessed and sanctified the Sabbath day. Again, I would word things a little differently. We'll talk about that down the road, I'm sure, but generally agreeable. And then you get down to this section for ideas for family scripture study and home evening. It talks about ways to make the creation story exciting for your family, those first two things. But I want us to pause here. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, which I just read from the Bible. Why is it important to know that we were created in God's image? How does it affect the way we feel about ourselves, others, and God? If you have small children, you might want to read together Moses 2, 27 and play a simple game. Show a picture that depicts Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, such as picture 90 in the Gospel art book, and ask family members to take turns pointing to a part of Heavenly Father's or Jesus's body. Then the other family members could point to that same part on their bodies. Well, because this website, the churchofjesuschrist.org website, uh, it's so robust, it's very helpful. You can just say, I don't know what Moses 2.27 says. Let's find out. You click on it, and bang, it's right there. Isn't that cool? From the Pearl of Great 
price. I just read through this yesterday, chapters one and two, as I'm looking to learn more and more about what those chapters say. Moses 2.27 says, And I, God, created man in mine own image. In the image of mine only begotten created I him, male and female I created them. This is very similar, yet very different, from Genesis 1.27. So let's go back real quick, just so we're on the same page, to Genesis 1.27. Look at Moses 2.27 here. I, God, created man in mine own image. In the image of mine only begotten, I created him. Male and female, I created them. Genesis 1.27 in the Bible says God created man in his own image. Okay, pretty much the same thing. In the image of God, he created him. Now that's different. Male and female, he created them. Moses 2.27 says, oh, went to the wrong window. Uh, not 100% sure what, what just happened there. Um, let me do this, do this, go back here. Now it works. Okay. Um, in the image of God... He created him, is what the Bible says. Moses 2.27 says, In the image of mine only begotten, created I him. Now that's the, that's the different part of this verse. And maybe you're wondering what the difference is between um, the New American Standard, which I'm reading from, and the King James. Let me pull this up. Genesis 1.27. Here's a side-by-side. -side. You can see the New American Standard on the left side and the King James here in the white in the middle. King James reads, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created he him. Male and female created he them. So not very different. I hope you see that. But it's changed in the book of Moses, and that's important to note. And I think it's a very valid question to ask your teacher, why is it different? In, why is this account different? In the image of God, it says in Genesis 127, in the image of mine only begotten in Moses 227. It also recommends here in the thing I read earlier that you can show a picture that depicts Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. Now, this is a violation of one of the Ten Commandments. You're not supposed to make an image of God in any way, but let's see what picture 90 is. We can pull that up. Here is Joseph Smith before Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ as he tells the story. It's the first vision painting, the, one of the most famous Latter-day Saint paintings that exists. And it says, ask family members to take turns pointing to a part of Heavenly Father's or Jesus's body, which according to this painting, I don't think you'd be able to tell the difference because they look exactly the same. Um, I don't, someone could enlighten me on that, but I think, I don't think there's a way to know which one's which, unless you would say Jesus Christ is always at the Father's right hand. And so that would make this one Heavenly Father, maybe. I, I've never heard that, but um, and then the other family members could point to that same part on their bodies, which would then teach them, um, look, just as he has a body, I have a body. It looks like his. That's what it means to be made in his image. Well, I want to challenge, this is the last thing I want to challenge. I want to challenge the notion that um, the being made in God's image is physical. I want to challenge that notion. And um, let me do that from the Word of God. Let's go. Let's go back over here. Let's go to Genesis 5, where we'll be soon enough in this study, where it talks about the generations of Adam. And in Genesis, Genesis 5.1, it says, In the day when God created man, 
he made him in the likeness of God. So it's reiterating chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. He created them male and female, again, verse 27. And he blessed them and named them man, or you see as I'm magnifying here, look all the way over to the right side, pain, Adam, because the word Adam means man. He named them man in the day when they were created. When Adam lived 130 years, he became the father of a son. He begot a son. And look at what it says. In his own likeness. In his own likeness. According to his image. And he named him Seth. So this is after Cain and Abel. But uh, let's, let's consider what's going on here. We see likeness being used in verse 1, man was created in the likeness of God. There's the Hebrew word, demut. And then you go down to likeness in verse 3, same word. Adam was created, male and female were created, in the likeness of God, and Seth was found in the likeness of his father Adam, according to Adam's image. Same word from Genesis 1. It's the word, well, uh, see, I know more about Greek than I do about Hebrew. Uh, I don't know if the T is pronounced. Zelem? Tezelem? Okay. But there's the word. You see the word. Let's go back. Let's just uh, verify. Let's go back to Genesis 1.26, and you see the word image. Okay, same word, same word. Let's go back to Genesis 5.3. Why would it say that Seth was born in the image and likeness of his father, Adam. This is a, it seems like, well, duh, I, I know the answer to that. That's how, that might be how you respond. But I want you to consider, why would it say that? Well, did people think that Seth looked like a horse or a rhinoceros or a falcon? And so Moses had to clarify, no, Seth actually looked like a human, like his dad. That's, that's not what Moses was concerned with. He wasn't concerned that the reader would understand that Seth was a human being who took on the traits of his dad. Moses's authors, who existed hundreds of years after these events happened in Genesis, uh, Moses's readers, they understood that human beings produce human beings that each produces after its own kind. Genesis 1 talks about that. Uh, they knew that we inherit traits from our parents, that a couple of brown-eyed people are going to have a brown-eyed baby. They understood that. So why did Moses include that Seth was in the image and likeness of his father, Adam? Well, there are two things. One, it shows a continuation of the image of God being passed down to Seth from Adam even through the fall in chapter 3 that we'll talk about next time, that Adam and Eve sinned, they fell, well, the image of God still passed on because as Adam bore the image in his image, well, that image is passed on to Seth. But through the fall, through the sin of the fall, there was something else that was added to Adam's nature, namely a sin nature. Adam, when he fell, it said uh, the promise of God is that when you partake of the fruit, in that day you will surely die. There's something that happens to the constitution of man in the fall, and that gets passed on to Seth. So Seth inherits from his dad these immaterial qualities 
of being made in the likeness of God and having a sin nature. What's immaterial uh, or not physical about being made in the image of God? Well, unlike the animals, human beings have an intellect, a will, emotion, affections. That, that distinguishes human beings from animals. Now, sure, you can find National Geographic articles of animals showing certain aspects of different things, but I th- it's common sense. You look around, you know that human beings are different from animals. Now, as, as humankind plunges deeper and deeper into sin, that distinction becomes less obvious, but you get what I mean. And the other immaterial aspect that was passed from Adam to Seth is that now every human being is born with a propensity to sin. Adam was not created with a propensity to sin, but Seth was born with a propensity to sin because he inherited that propensity from his father. Through the fall, through the death that came through the fall, Adam now bore the image of God in an imperfect state. Now the image of God, though not erased, was effaced. It was skewed. Now it's still there, but it's coupled with this sin nature, and that's what gets passed down. So um, that's something to think about when you read through Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Consider uh, what Moses 2, 27 is adding and why it's adding that. And consider, too, what this image is, if it's purely physical or if it's deeper than that. And I, I would argue that the Bible teaches that it's something deeper than that. Hopefully this makes you think. Hopefully this creates some good conversations in your class. I just want you to know the Bible better and to come to a true faith in Jesus Christ. If I can be of any help to you, please reach out. Let me know. God bless.